Welcome to a new edition of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where we talk about the business of sports with interesting executives, entrepreneurs, and personalities, and of course, with my partner, Joe Favorito. We're back together again, Tom. Back together. It's been a few weeks. It seems it has like it's been, been months. Well, it has been, I think, two or three episodes. Yeah. So, but I want to start, Joe, by uh, complimenting you on the last episode that I wasn't able to be in, which is the one you did with a bunch of Gen Z Gen students Z's. from the Columbia program. Yeah. That was pretty interesting, huh? They are, um, I felt so much better about the future of, of this industry by learning from, not just from them, but you know, through that class in the School of New York Times, 47 kids from all over the world who said things that were really surprising. I mean, all deference to Maurice, who's sitting across the table from us, not into esports, you know, they are very active. And bunch of athletes. Oh, bunch they, were of all, athletes they were all athletes. But citizens so. of the world. It was really about, and at one point in the class, they said, you know, they all support, like if the, the one kid on the team is not doing well, and I'm like, don't you step on his neck? And one kid said, well, we step on his neck, but then we pick him up and we make sure that he's okay after that. So, but, okay. you know, definitely the future, and, you know, we're going to have more of those people on. It's, it's really I think it's really interesting, and, and for anybody who didn't listen yet, I, I um, urge you to check it out, especially for individuals who are in the media or content business mm -hmm. or any kind of commerce business that involves the sale of your stuff to young people. Because we all talk in generalities about millennials versus Gen Z interest in behavior, but that really brought to life the fact that these are really interesting young consumers that, with an interesting point of view and definitely a mindset that I think would be surprising to some older people listening. They swung me on Barstool Sports. I was surprised, and again, um, Dave Portnoy, the CEO and founder, has retweeted us a few times. We're right. very grateful about that. But yeah. um, you know, they, when when uh, Alexa Simpson, who was one of the girls in the class, stood up and said, "I always thought this was about douchebag guys," <laughs> and then uh, Patrick, one of the other kids, made her listen to some of the things. She's like, "You know, I don't know if as a girl I should be listening to these things all the time, but it was pretty funny." Right. And you know, he and we're going to have him on at some point. Um, because oh, that'd be good. We should do Barstool. Yeah. And, and he talked about this is a comedy platform where we make fun of everybody. And it's not... So he calls it literally a comedy platform? Oh, yeah. Platform. Actually, at some point I have to write up the podcast because I went to the University of Michigan Sports Business That's right. uh, two weeks ago and he spoke about it and it was pretty amazing. But oh, anyway, he, was, he was one of the guests there? He was one of, he's a Michigan grad. Okay. So, Joe, when we started this a year and a half ago, we both came up with individuals in the industry we wanted to talk to. Uh, pretty close to the top probably, of my list. And we never get to any of them. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah wait, it's, just, it's aspirational, <laughs> as I like to say. No, but honestly, close to the top of my list mm -hmm. was our today's guest. Um, we have with us someone who has an incredible list of achievements in this business as a serial entrepreneur, as an investor, as an executive, as a coach, as a hockey player, former, and I think sometimes current hockey player, the former <laughs> and hopefully future marathoner. But a wonderful guy who I had the privilege of working with 20 years or 19 years ago um, at the National Hockey League. His name is Bryant McBride, and we're so happy to have you 70 episodes into the show. I, mm -hmm. I am thrilled to be here. Right, like, seriously, it's great to be here. Yeah, really, really thrilled about this, Bryant. And, and with a guy like Bryant who has so many uh, interesting, who's had so many interesting experiences and is doing so many interesting things in different parts of the business, you know, kind of at the intersection of sports and technology, especially in media, um, there's all different kinds of topics to cover. So I think what we do, Joe, is start off with just 
little uh, get to know Brian because some some of you hopefully will know him from his different accomplishments in the business. Many of you may not know him, so he'll introduce himself, and then we'll get into the um, very interesting space that is his uh, where he's playing in his current role as founder and CEO of Burst, a mobile video business that we're going to get into in a few minutes. So Brian, welcome to the show. Why don't you uh, do a quick intro and tell us about your journey uh, briefly so we can get into the more interesting sure, topics sure. of uh, what's going on. By the way, I don't know if we've had a Canadian on yet. No. Oh, so Canadian. I forgot to mention that. Right. Canadian. Right. You yeah. guys are diverse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're expanding. We are the kings of diversity. No right. walls so, here. That's, right. that's awesome. Um, well, again, it, it's really cool to be here. It's really fun. It's great to see both of you guys. Your uh, accomplishments are, are amazing. So it, it's just fun to... To, to be part of, of this. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll start with, um, I always wanted to work in sports, right, in terms of how it, how it all started. Always wanted to, you know, at the time, read the newspaper and get paid for doing it, in the sports section, get paid for doing it, right? This was the hope, and uh, that's the way it, it's turned out. Um, so, yeah, I was working in finance and real estate, um, you know, almost uh, 30 years ago now, 25, 30 years ago. And, um, and then and met, I was working in Detroit, met someone who was involved with the Red Wings, got introduced to Gary Bettman and, um, and hoped that I could help and um, was lucky enough to become, at the time, Director of Business Development for the NHL and, and got to work on some really great stuff um, with some, uh, a fantastic team there that Gary built, Tom included, and one of the leaders of that team at the time and um, you know, brought the then first version of the Winnipeg Jets to Finland and grew, oh, tele right. yeah, yeah, grew okay. television rights internationally right. and built ice rinks all over the country under the NHL's and perimeter. Um, brought Willie O'Ree back into the game, mm -hmm. um, a black hockey player, and right. the you know something that stuck with me from from my days in college. Um, one of my great sociology professors said, "You're born with a certain bundle of life chances, mm -hmm. and if you're not doing everything you can to increase that bundle of life chances for other people." What do you wow, do? that's what, a great statement. Yeah, really, is. stuck with Bundle me. Bundle right? of life chances. It stuck yes. with me. Yeah. And, um, and but Brian, let me just interrupt for a second because I, I, sure. I, I mentioned that you played hockey, but you were a serious hockey player. Well, I, yeah, growing I, I, up, and also you were a collegiate hockey player, <laughs> which, is, which is a pretty big thing. Um, played. I was recruited and played at West Point, and um, and then transferred to Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut, my, one of my alma maters, where my son is about to be a sophomore. And, um, and it, it, you know, it, it's a fantastic place. And that professor said that to me okay. at Trinity College. And, um, and, and yeah, we were, we were lucky enough to... Who, who was the professor? His name is Stephen Veloki. Okay. And it, it just... Is he on really, Twitter? Uh, I don't, maybe, I don't, I, I don't know, but it was just such an, an powerful sure. thing to say, and, um, and it, it really stayed, it stayed with me for years, and, um, and so here I was at the NHL, black hockey player, um, knew who Willie O'Ree, I wanted to be the first black hockey player in the <laughs> NHL, and I looked, went to the library when I was like 10, and I saw Willie O'Ree, so I was angry with him for a long time. And, but, the Jackie well, Robinson the, of the he NHL. He was the Jackie Robinson of the NHL, and... Um, but that would be really exciting for you to get a chance to work at the NHL. Well, yeah, and you know what? And it was Gary Bettman who gave yeah. me that chance. Right. I mean, Gary, um, I said to him, you know, who's the, uh, who's, you know, I said, do you know who Willie O'Ree is? Said, yeah, yeah, I know who he is. He goes, I said, well, I found him. And um, and he goes, this is great. Go figure it out. Go make make it happen. You know, that's your job. And then I did. And so I reached out to him, and, and Willie, uh, and Willie and I worked really closely together building the diversity task force in hockey, and he's influenced thousands of kids all over the country. He's still, uh, I know he's retired, but he still does some stuff. 
uh, with the NHL, and he's just, it was just a terrific legacy that he's left, and I was lucky enough to be a small part of that. And, um, and so, you know, so I had, got to basically grow the game and, and build businesses. We'd get, it really developed the muscles that I use today, and um, we'd get thousands of ideas that would come into the league, and we would able, we, we would look through them all, vet them all, and we would have to figure out where we put our intellectual property and our resources and our time and which horses to ride, frankly. Mm -hmm. So it was, right. it was a lot of venture right. type. And how much analysis. inbound versus outbound? Like certainly an agenda thing um, you wanted to do. Probably, and remember, this is 90, this is 96. Yeah, well, 90. 192 to 2000 I was there. Oh wow. Right? So it was early. early. Okay. It was early, but but I saw pre-internet. It was it was literally pre-internet. I remember when the internet came into the NHL <laughs> and then you came in to run it, right? And and, and figure it out. It was fantastic. And uh, so it was just such an evolution of ideas, but seeing all of that stuff happen was 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 amazing, you know. And I and so I'd say to answer your question, I, I'd say it was probably 95% inbound. 5% us saying, hey, we need to go grow the television rights in Europe. And we would do that. But from a you know sports meeting technology intersection standpoint, a lot of it was inbound. And we saw a lot of really early stuff that really opened our eyes as to the possibilities. Do you remember one or two that stood out? Just or even you, Tom, that off the top Trackus? of Trackus was very right. early, right? And um, but but really cool and really interesting. The other one was was frankly was Mark Cuban's company. That's right, Broadcast.com. Right, Broadcast.com. They did the streaming. They did our radio streaming for NHL.com back Right. In the day. So I was like, man, this is big. There's yeah. something here, <laughs> right? And uh, little, little did we know, yeah, right? Little did we know. And the other one was um, I got to remember the name of it. Oh, um, it was. Um, Princeton Electronic Video. Yes, PVI. Yeah, PVI. PVI, right? They were they were yeah. fairly early. And um, and, and Rick Horo. Um, oh geez, there's a name to mention. Remember? Yeah, of course. And, and no. he did one. I'm trying to remember which what what the name of it was, but it was. Um, all, all of these were just like so cutting edge and doing so right. many amazing things. Remember, we had five percent broadband penetration right. at the time. Right. It was crazy. Or right. even like the Trackus idea, which was basically putting sensors yep. into hockey players' equipment. Which was so controversial with the PA. Very. I remember. I remember in the, being in those meetings, and it was really kind of futuristic. I mean, this is way before Sport Vision and the glowing puck. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But but yes, yeah, Sport Vision was towards the end of my tenure right. at the NHL. But anyway, so all these ideas kept coming in, right? And it and it was fantastic to be able to look at them and work work on them and figure out which horses that we ride. We ended up doing some things like ring development, which were bricks and mortar and, and getting um, giving inner city kids the opportunity, or I shouldn't say inner city, at risk kids the opportunity to um, to play and be have, have access to the game, right? And and that, so that stuff we they weren't all technology. But but the point being is that when that really lit a fuse for me personally to be able to see this intersection of sports and technology in 95, 96. Right. It was crazy, right? It was so early. But, but it really made me, in terms of the career, you know, I've been lucky enough to follow, it gave me the impetus to, to, to jump out. I love right. hockey. I'm from Canada. I still love hockey. I love working with Gary and, and, and the team there. And, uh, and I met fantastic friends. I don't think I've gone a month since the NHL without, without talking to someone that I work with. Right. That's incredible, yeah, right? That's the way it think about it, right? Yeah. They were amazing people. So was there really a moment smart. when you realized maybe you'd want to be on the other side of the desk and be an <laughs> entrepreneur? Um, well, yeah, there, there, there were, yes, and there, there were a few moments that... Uh, that Tell us a couple, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> there, there were a few moments, but no, it was, 
you know, I, I loved I love to work, and I really love to work on things I'm passionate about, right? And I'm passionate. About, I was passionate. I am passionate about hockey. I'm most passionate about hockey. But I saw that I saw all these deals coming in, and I saw all these really um, um, again passionate entrepreneurs who were just all in on what they were doing. And, and that's that's what I love to do. I love to go, okay, burn the boats, go to the island, burn the boats, right. we're gonna figure this out, right? And that's what I did when I was part of the NHL. And I said, I can do this outside the NHL as well. I think I can. If I'm gonna work this hard, I wanna work for my wife and kids and own what I do. Mm-hmm. It really hit me years later. My dad used to say something when I was a little kid that didn't really register until, until much later. And he said, there's two types of people in the world. I'd say, what do you mean, Dad? He said, there's people who own stuff, and there's people who work for them. <laughs> and I went, wow, okay. Yeah. So later on, uh, you know, it really made sense. It, yeah. really, it really sunk in. And so I said, I want to own what I do. Right. And, and, you know, uh, the league was fantastic, and the leagues are fantastic, but I wanted equity in what I, in what I did. And so that was really the impetus for me to jump out, was to own what I did, so that uh, if I was going to work this hard and, and, and go all in on stuff, uh, I wanted to be able to um, um, convince people who, I, I, was, I was lucky enough to, I, and I still am lucky enough to have one, wonderful friends and mentors. I mean, I, I can't even begin. I'll, I'll start with one in particular, a gentleman named Tom Benedetto, who I met when I was a senior at Trinity College. And I've been lucky enough, um, he's been in every deal I've ever done. Um, I met him when I was a senior. I told him I was going to go to graduate school in, um, in, in Boston. He said, come see me. I knew him for two years, pre-Google. I knew him for two years before he told me he was one of the owners of the Boston Red Sox, which wow. he still is today. Wow. So that earnestness and right. that approach right. just really, really stuck with me. Yeah. And, um, and, and he's the chairman of my board today. So, so to be able to work with people like that and a multitude of people like that and expand the horizons, that's, that's really why I did it. So what was the, what was the first uh, step into the world of entrepreneurship? Um, it was joining a company um, called MyTeam.com in 1999-2000. And a gentleman named Elliot Katzman, who's still right. a dear friend, great guy, and, and he said, uh, I had a friend call me and said, hey, you got a headhunter who said, you got to come out and meet this guy. You know, and this was just a personal friend. I wasn't looking. And he said, you got to meet this guy right away. She said, this will be the easiest thing I do all day. She goes, Bryant Elliott, Elliot Bryant. And, and we, had a, we had a half an hour window. We talked for six hours. Wow. Like literally canceled wow. everything. We talked for six hours. I'm nuts about, in terms of the intersection of sports and technology, I divide the world into two pieces, what I call above-the-line sports, pro-college Olympics, really rights infused and you know and that's where a lot of the sports mm-hmm. world has been mm-hmm. uh, I was Elliot had this vision and I had I had it a little bit but it was really honed and refined in working with him called about below the line sports all the chaos that is participatory sports right. we were thinking about this in 1999 yeah. 2000 how do you harness that buying right. power right. and I've been lucky enough to have two startups that have done harness just little bits of it that we've been able to make a lot of money by you know building them and selling them right. so um, so so that's you know it was that it's that thesis that I've had since 99 and we've just evolved it and morphed it and it's led to us looking at just under um, 7,000 companies from 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 2000 to today, and we've invested in seven. And wow. we've worked and put our energy on seven. Wow. 
So, but it, it's really not about the value of a lot of those companies. There's been some fantastic companies that we missed on. Kickstarter came into our office. We were like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> right? Uh, um, happens. Uh, Jim Bankoff came into our office, Fox. and we were like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Ridiculous. You know, there's been there's been a few others that we've we've swung and missed on for sure. So, what what are the seven? You know seven, yeah, right? sure, sure, absolutely. Hopefully you can remember all seven. They're my babies, absolutely. <laughs> my team was the first, okay. Then um, Vision Sports, which was my own. I was like the number three guy in my team with Elliot, and the guy named John Friscotti, who ran part of Reebok. Lots of Italians involved. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, um, and then now John runs Hasbro. He's the right. CEO of Hasbro, kicking butt, as he always does, everywhere he goes. So... Um, so my team, then, I, then it was Vision Sports, which was the first one I did myself. And then um, I did um, one with a friend where I put money to work for the first time um, on a company called Football Scouts, Inc. And Football Scouts, Inc. got him David Gieslin, great entrepreneur, still out there doing... Who went to go work stuff, for ESPN, right? Which, which we sold no. to ESPN and right. became ESPN Insider. Right. So that one was fun. It was right at the, the beginning of right. fantasy and right. digitizing mm-hmm. fantasy. So that was a lot of fun. Then we did one um, called Fan Nation right. with a friend Remember named them? Chris mm-hmm. Nicholas, and um, so that one sold to Sports Illustrated, right. and we, we did we did well on that one. And then um, we did one um, called um, Hip Logic, which was which was our only loss. We're four one and one. Okay. We've had four victories, one loss, one tie, and um, so we did we did Hip Logic, which was a loss. It was the only one where we were not. Where we were minority investors and we weren't active day to day. Interesting. I'll never so do that. So less control. Less control. I'll no. never do that. What was that business yeah. again? Hip Logic. Hip Logic. It was a. It was. It was basically turned out middleware for mobile. The iPhone yeah, came out right, right. and okay. just destroyed everyone yeah. in that space. Right. So, um, so that was that was that. And then we did one um, called Ray V, which Yahoo bought, and we ended up, um, you know, breaking even basically on that one. And then. Um, and then burst. Burst is my this is my seventh one. Um, so we're, we're as I said we're four one and one um, on, on our track record. We've invested a little prior to burst. We invested a little under ten million, and we've returned seventy five million to our investors. Wow. Just over seventy five wow. million. So so, so talk one. about the uh, origin of burst. You know the vision sure, the vision sure, for sure. and the kind of and what's happened the last couple of years as, as you've grown up. It's funny, you know you. You know, we're, we're nuts about, if, if it's not solving a problem, don't do it, right? right? You, you gotta be solving a problem. And, and um, to earn people's time or money or interest is, is the key. And um, if you're not doing one of those things, then the, the, the venture probably isn't going to mature into something that's worthwhile. This seed was planted, so constantly on the lookout for problems. Um, this seed was planted by my mom. Okay. And she said to me, we had little kids at the time, my kids are bigger now, but she said to me, she said, okay, I know you work in sports. Stop sending me hats and tickets and t-shirts, all right? <laughs> and I said, all right, mom, okay. Um, she goes, give, give me pictures. I want video and pictures of my grandkids, all right? This was uh, 12, 13 years ago, right? So crazy. Um, 2006, 2007. Uh, even earlier, it's like 2002, 2003, pre-iPhone, right? And I said, Mom, I gotta plug stuff in, I gotta, uh, it's just a pain in the butt, I don't wanna, you know, it's a nightmare. She goes, solve that. She's in Minnesota, I'm in Boston and New York, 
And, um, and, it, and it just stayed with me. Like if anyone figures out how to move video with speed and precision around stuff that people really care about, and they love the Yankees and people love the Red Sox and they love you know all this above the line sports, sports they really care about, care about their kids, mm -hmm. right? You, and, that, and it's fleeting, it's five to 18. Right. right, and it's gone, and it's over so fast. Right, so so those cherish those moments. If you could capture them and cherish them, and and and, and be able to save them and, and move them in a way that is that has, um, you could either distribute it widely, or you could do it with precision. You could send them to specific people. That was the thesis then, right? So my team. That's one of the reasons I jumped out to join my team. Was it was we had bought the rights to Little League, AAU, ASC, ASA, the whole alphabet soup of youth sports. Right, we bought those rights, and we wanted to, 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 to provide media opportunities for families around that. And that still is, I think, a very big premise, and it's being worked on today. We were really early. There was only one thing more powerful than a family's affinity for youth sports. And that's college kids trying to get laid. Okay, <laughs> so Facebook <laughs> came it's a in. Good comparison, I like that. <laughs> You know, it was right. like, where's the real, glue? Right. where's the real glue here? Right. And their glue is exactly. a little stronger than our right. glue. Right. So that we were literally trying to be a social network, right? But but to be the bond between teammates and parents and extended right. family and the right big ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah, big ecosystem, right? So right. it's still it is happening, but but you know they got it. They really got it right on that. One. So when when you first. Uh, Decided to go for it and actually create Burst. Mm -hmm. um, just take us through those steps sure. and, and then the experience you had with it because it's evolved based on the, especially the changing nature of uh, mobile the last couple of years. It's a great point. It's a great point. We, we start off very consumer facing um, and um, we, we very much wanted to build, we basically, our vision was, was Snapchat for families. That's really where we started, right? Mm -hmm. And and I'm uh, you know I'm I'm in my early fifties. I missed out on disappearing selfies, <laughs> and I never would have come up with disappearing selfies, right? I looked at it and I went when I first saw Snapchat, it was rocketing, right? And I went, really? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. That was an existential moment. Right. By the way, as we sit here today, there are lots of investors who are saying, really, seriously? Yeah. So, Interesting, yeah. right? It comes right. full circle, right? right. So there's got to be value, and there's got to be something that is more than ephemeral. And um, but they, don't get me wrong; they built a great business, and right. good good for them that they, mm -hmm. they rocked. And we 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 pivoted the company, but we built the company. We knew this where where you start. One of the things I tell I talk to a lot of um, businesses and potential. Um, entrepreneurs and I said where you start is not where you will finish mark mm -hmm. my words it right. will move and, and shake and you know stuff happens and the value finding the value is hard as to where people it's real simple where are people going to and why are people going to give me a dollar no. No. it's it's hard it's harder than ever to get people to give you money it just no. is right no. so so we we built the company in, in a way that was modular, that we could literally, we could take the pieces that we could build, all internally API, um, you know, um, infused so that, and constructed so that we could take the pieces and repurpose them if we had to pivot the company. Mm -hmm. We thought about that at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we pivoted, we pivoted the company off one meeting. The Nesson guys were using the tool and they said, you know, we like what you're doing, this is really cool. They were using us for, uh, instead of what, what are called truck rolls in, in the, Business. Instead of sending out that truck, that bread truck, they call it, with that big thing that mm -hmm. sticks out, and right. costs three to four thousand dollars an hour for labor, union, all those, you know, talent. They were just using the the iPhone 
it's, hey, here's Chuck in, on the corner of Maple and Vine, and it's right. snowing, right? So they're doing that and saving all the money. Right. They said, but we got a bigger problem. We said, oh, what's that? When a client says we have a problem, I'm all ears, right? That's really important. So they said, we, you know, we're broadcasting the games. We pay the players. We own Fenway. They're exploiting the rights to all that cool stuff they own um, under, um, um, under Fenway Sports Group. And they said, but we look, this is like three or four years ago. They, they said, we look around. And we're on TV, producing it with a 20 camera shoot. And we look around, and there's 50,000 cameras. Right. Oh, that's not good, right? So they, what they were explaining is they were explaining their, that they were being disintermediated, and they didn't quite. They were like, "How do we?" And we said, "Listen, you can't stop it. We're not stopping it." You, you don't. Mean, so just to be clear, you mean everyone sitting in the stands with their phone doing yes, something on the phone? Exactly phone. right. And they look. I'm at Fenway. Hey, look at this great play. And the concept that we introduced back in the '90s, disinter- disintermediating yes. the middleman, as they say, exactly which would be right. the, the, the broadcasters. Exactly. So yeah. as a big broadcaster, sixth or seventh most valuable sports property on the planet is you know Fenway Sports Group right. and Nesson, Right. They they were like, "Oh my God, this is not good." Yeah. Right, so so they said, how do what do we do? So we said, hmm, um, what we could do is we could figure out a way. If you put on the jumbotron, if you put on the broadcast, we want we want you to be part of our team. We want you to um, to shoot video and press a button, and we'll put it on the broadcast. And we were, and they were like, yeah, that's really cool. Then we had to figure out how to do that. <laughs> when we left the room, my team looked at me like. That's nuts. <laughs> I was like, I know, but we got to figure that out. And we did. So it was it's really three pieces of the puzzle. How to get video up and off that phone in poor connectivity situations, how to chunk it up and parallel stream it. And um, we, we've got some intellectual property that does that. And to do it without an app, critically important. People have app fatigue, right? We're all, we all use three, four apps five apps maybe a week, right? So we just wanted a URL where they could touch that URL and it would take them right into that workflow. So that, and again, pulling every bit of friction out, one or two touches, where they give you permission, they verify who they are with one touch, and, and, and give you the commercial right to use it, right? right? That, okay. u- that user-generated content. And they, we did that, and then what we did from a curative standpoint, in terms of curation, and, and, and you'll find, you'll look at many businesses, great digital businesses, there is 90% of the time, I won't say all the time, gaming and other stuff's outside, but in the business we're in, curation is critically important. Google, the king of curators, right? Facebook, curation, right? And it's data. So we we built tools that will look inside every video. We we have we have um, really smart guys in Boston who are working on AI and machine learning, you know, back when and you know two, three, four, five years ago. And we are looking at inside every video algorithmically instantly. We are looking at. Um, edges, shapes, colors, scene transitions, audio quality. We're looking out of those 5,000 videos that we'll get in a, um, in a in a storm for AccuWeather, who's a client now, or for Sinclair Media, who uses us in 50 markets all over the country. Mm. It's grown from sports. Mm. And, and we'll look at those videos and we'll find the five that matter in like a split second. Wow. So that they don't, ha- they don't have time. A human being can't do that, right? So we get those, that's the second step. The third step is we solve what's called the last mile. The last mile in our world is taking that MP4 file off of, off of a phone and being able to ensure that it gets to the right place at the right time. We deliver to, um, we deliver to any digital destination, to social destinations, to jumbotrons or signage, and we deliver to legacy television. 
really important, right? These legacy TV guys were in a battle for their lives, yeah. right? Getting eaten alive by social media. Um, and they, the Nesson guys realized when we pitched this that they could turn that 20 camera shoot into Fenway into a 2 million camera shoot. Mm -hmm. Before we get off that, can you just explain to some of our listeners what legacy TV is? Because some people may not know. Sure, sure, sure. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's the big thing hanging on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> with, a, with a big cable, coaxial cable. It's the cable big cable. screen. With ironically less of a legacy today than it's ever had before. Right, so. right, right. So, yeah, you know, it's, I'm, I'm being facetious, but but only somewhat. And that it, it's, you know, it's the it's the old infrastructure that we've grown up on right. since Philo Farnsworth. Right? Exactly. I mean, when he created created this in 1917 or 18 when he was 15 years old in Iowa. I swear to God, that's, yeah. that's where Philo Farms That's an amazing story, by the way. If you ever want to, if you get nothing out of this, Go get them for the next show. Philo Farnsworth. Right. I'm telling you. Amazing, amazing story. Good and bad. But anyway, so so from the time he created it all the way till till um, you know the till color was the big was the next big shift. And then it was five, six years ago, seven years ago, when the device in our pocket became the television. Unequivocally, I will say this, and this is really, I think, critically important that people are trying to wrap their heads around, right? You mentioned, Joe, what is legacy TV, right? TV is not dying. Legacy TV is not dying. It's morphing. Yep. It's changing. Mm -hmm. It's become all screens. It's become seamless, right? And if you can't, as a broadcaster, as a purveyor of content, you have got to understand how to do that on all screens. And the premise of Burst, and the most important part of Burst, you have to engage the user, or at least give them the choice right. to be part of what you're doing. Right. And right. that's what our clients have, have wrapped their heads around, rather than ceding this critically important territory to the social media companies alone. Right, which we should talk about for a few minutes because we're, we're looking at just um, an evolution of media that no one predicted 20 years ago or even maybe 12 years ago before Facebook, which was the incredible growth and dominance of user-generated content, which was dismissed by the professional Absolutely. video Absolutely. content companies you know, 10 years ago. Not good and enough. Now it's driving, right. Not good enough, right. And now it's driving no a, lot of, a lot of YouTube, a lot of Facebook, a lot of Snapchat, et cetera. And interesting, a lot of that power has shifted from New York City and, only, and Hollywood, professional video companies, to Silicon Valley. Amazing. And they're using all of our content most, in most cases. I'm going to go all the way back to the top of this conversation to something that Joe said, which was critically important. I really believe it's the elixir, it's the magic going forward. Okay? You mentioned Barstool Sports, mm -hmm. right? And David Portnoy. What David sells... He's a Boston guy, by the way. A Boston guy, right? Maybe it's the water, I don't know. But, um, but no, but what, what he's selling and why that young woman, it's interestingly, he's selling authenticity. Yes. It's authenticity. That's what this is about, yeah. right? Now, there is the room for, obviously, room. Is, is, is Netflix a booming business? Yes. Is that, is that amazingly, um, amazingly produced... Slick, great stuff, Disney, right? It's always going to be, you know, people still listen to the radio. People still go to the movies, right? The mediums don't die out usually if they've got value. And, and obviously, high production stuff has crazy value. It's really, really good. However, the, 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 the wave of authenticity that has in, in, ingested itself into the media landscape is not going away. And it is, I, th I think, it's about to hit the beach. 
Right, and I think you know the, 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 it's a good point. I mean, so we so we're having this podcast a week after, roughly a week after the Disney earnings announcement, mm-hmm. the decision to buy the majority stake in BAM Tech, Amazing. their decision essentially to pull away from Netflix and create a competitive OTT. And, and, one and of, CBS announcing they're going to do their own streaming. Program right. I mean, there's actually it was a it was a banner yeah. week for OTT stuff yep. last yep. week since we yep. last talked. But there was a quote last week from Iger. I don't know if you actually read the or listened oh, yeah. to or read. Oh yeah, we listen every word. Um, By the way, his son was in my class last year. So. Nice. nice. And uh, he, he said yes uh, in that call, two things that really stuck out. Well, actually, this was in the press release, but I actually I have a quote for this. He said this was in the press release announcing the BAMTech uh, stake, because the media landscape is increasingly defined by direct relationships between content creators and consumers. So that's really the interesting point here, Brian, and I, I want to talk about that for a few minutes. Because in the past, all these legacy television businesses didn't really have consumer relationships. They had relationships with their distributors and things like that. And the power that is so huge and has grown to be beyond anyone's wildest imagination in Silicon Valley especially the big four, Amazon, Apple, Google, Facebook, is all about that direct-to-consumer relationship. So that said, how does this help, let's say, a more traditional rights holder or player develop that? Because I suppose there's got to be some sort of registration process. Like it's a little bit better than maybe traditional TV, maybe not as good as Facebook or Google in terms of data, but ostensibly there must be more. It's a critically important question. I, I would I would posit it this way though, it, it's not about the registration anymore. Okay, the traditional sign up here, right? right? There's still a lot of that, and it still happens, but it's more so about the data, right? Your phone, you are you are inert, you're innately registered via your phone. Mm-hmm. You're in the ecosystem, yep. right? So this is this is what has happened is when Disney started doing their thing years and years ago, you know, you know the the the. The Achilles heel in TV has always been data, right? Nielsen or absence thereof. Or absence thereof. That's that's the point, yeah. right? Is that Nielsen was the data provider, and everyone complained about it, and right? They've gotten better, and they're doing some cool, interesting things now. No, I'm knocking my friends at Nielsen, but but they but what's happened is all of a sudden the geeks won, and the geeks are about data, mm-hmm. right? And and that curative ability of Facebook and and Google and. All, it's about the data, right? So, so playing, so playing it out. What that, what that direct to the consumer, cutting out the middleman. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as you said earlier, cutting out the middleman is that, is that you get the data, mm-hmm. and the data, the most valuable real estate in media, by far, not even close, are these, the badges, seven no. square inches no. on your phone, on, in your pocket. Mm-hmm. That's the most valuable real estate, and to get in there. Businesses are being built on a minute to two minutes, an earning a minute to two minutes a day, right? I right. mean, it's crazy. So, so you have to earn that, right? And you got to earn that to stay there because everyone's attention turning the channel now is you know is is, is way too easy. So it's gone. The world has gone. Sorry to be winding no, no, path okay. here, but the world that's has gone from four channels to put it into the legacy media parlance. Four channels to five hundred channels, of which thirty-five make money. Right over, we were all kind of trying to figure that out. To a billion channels, mm-hmm. we're in the billion channel world, mm-hmm. and if you don't provide a bridge from the device on the wall, legacy TV, to the device in your pocket, then you're allowing somebody else to own that bridge and own the data. And video 
is the Trojan horse, the most effective Trojan horse media has ever seen. So we want to stay on Burst because when I first, when you and I first talked about Burst, probably last year at this time or a little bit longer than mm -hmm. um, and the, the amazing thing, and you touched on it, is the lack of an app. And because of the data is already on your phone and you're in a stadium potentially with everybody else who's already logged in and you can have this shared community, uh, it changes things. So uh, the reason I ask about the app is Sports Illustrated, as we're sitting here, comes out with a college football issue or a pro football issue. College football issue just came out. Yeah, that comes out first. Right. And there was a big splash about um, a VR. If you, went, if you downloaded an app, then, and you looked at the magazine and took a picture of the front of the magazine, <laughs> then you could have a VR experience. And I haven't looked at it yet, but my guess, Tom, is we could sit here. I can't imagine there's a whole hell of a lot of people who actually did that, how great it would possibly be. But what, the reason why I bring that up is the lack of an app for, for, and you know, there's a saying, there's an app for everything now. How much was that kind of the, um, the aha moment for Burst? And where has that gone since you launched Burst? The fact that it is not tied to something you have to download. Critically important. It was there. there you look, I look, we look back on it. The the lack of the lack of an app was what led to our Series Eight funding. Like literally that. Um, our friends at at Sinclair Media, our, our biggest investors right now, um, they saw that as that pulling out that friction. And, and your point about you know. Download an app, take a picture of the cover. <laughs> that's that's a lot to do. Right. That's a lot to do. Right? We don't have time. Nobody has time to do anything beyond you know one one touch. So so to to eliminate the, those six touches or three touches or however more than one is too many. It just is. It, we just in our shorthand in the office. It's friction. Where do we pull friction out? Mm -hmm. and every day I'm badgering my team. Where do we pull friction out? Where do we pull friction out? Too much friction. You're, no, you're making them do stuff they don't want to do, mm -hmm. right? If it's not in their path, I'm not interested. They're not interested, right? My mom certainly isn't interested, which is, I go back to her. She's, she's the beta tester of all beta testers. So um, so that, that decision was critically important for us. And then the ease, and then continuing that theme of friction, then pulling the friction up for the person who has to find the good stuff in the curative process, then pulling the friction up for the person in the OB truck or the studio who has to take that file and, 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 and press one button, that's it, and get it into um, Grass Valley or EVS or ENPS. We had to learn about all of those last mile systems that are not going away because the broadcasters aren't changing them, but they have, we had to figure out how to make them work. There's nine or 10 of them. And we had to figure out how to make them work so that it displayed with the right bit rate, frame rate, codec, and get delivered into that endpoint seamlessly with one touch. So, um, let's, as we start thinking about wrapping up, um, let me ask you a couple of questions about entrepreneurism. It's sure. a really interesting sure. topic to us. What are the key lessons you've learned over the last 17, roughly, roughly 17, 18 years as an entrepreneur? Wow. I mean, you, I'll, I'll give you a kind of a cue. Sure. Because you've used the phrase, burn the boats, probably in every conversation I've had with you, which has been many. <laughs> and I always remember, like, if I were thinking of your memoirs, it'd be called Burn the Boats, right? Because you use that. And I, and I know what that means, but explain that. And I don't mean to, yeah. to give you the first answer, but maybe that's a little Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and it is a thread that runs through. I use that phrase because it's, it's a mentality, right? Um, where I, as I've said to Tom, I, I have a face for 
podcasts and radio. But so people can't really that's see. Why, me. That's where we're here. About <laughs> so people can't see me, but I'm not skinny. And, um, and I run. I despite run. Despite your 26. Yeah, months. despite it. So, but you got to find a way to get there. Right, is, right. is the reason that I'm saying all this. But but it's 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 really a mentality. Um, I've run a lot of marathons and 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 had to persevere. And the reason I've done that is it's a muscle. Like it, literally, it's a mental muscle. You build that mental muscle by by pushing yourself to the point where you can where you you build a muscle that doesn't that that prevents you from panicking, mm-hmm. from freaking out. Right. And, and it really is. That is since you're, that's you're, a great you're, point. You're in, you're in mile seventeen in the Boston Marathon. Uh, for those of you that have been crazy enough to do it, like myself, and you're on Heartbreak Hill. And a really fat guy passes you. And an 80-year-old guy passes you. And then a guy in a Groucho Marx suit with dress shoes passes you. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing here? Your brain is screaming. You're losing your mind. And you go, breathe and keep it together, right? Take that skill and drop it onto your workplace at 10 in the morning when your best engineer has left, when your lead investor who um, was going to lead your next round or going to double down says, I can't, I'm out. And you think, I'm screwed. I'm really screwed now. What do, how am I going to survive this? And you can do one of two things. You can panic or you can figure it out. And that ability to figure it out, as I said, it's a muscle. But the analogy that Tom uses of burn the boats is you go to an island and when you get to that island, it's a great, I think the British, oh no, the Romans did it when they invaded um, England the first time, right? And the guys are all nervous, they're rowing over, across the channel, they're freaking out, right? We're going to war, and they land, and the Roman commanders, first thing they do, and the, and the, and, and the English are all up on the cliffs, 75-foot cliffs embedded, flaming spears ready, right? And they look down, everyone gets out of the boats, and they light them on fire. We're not going anywhere. Right. Sounds like an anywhere. episode of Game of Thrones. Right? But it's, that's what it is. It's Game of Thrones every day, every hour. Right? So it's like, we're not going anywhere. So what it's, so think of the message. Think of the message to the guys in the boats. We're, we're here to win. Yeah. Right? Those guys who are a little afraid, yeah. they're a little taller now. Yeah. They're like, okay, we're here yeah. to win. The guys up on the, on the cliffs, they're like, oh, oh no. Yeah. These guys are right. serious. Exactly. Right? So you burn the boats. And I've worked, I've been lucky enough to work with really great people that's how I choose my teammates. And I've made mistakes. I've worked with pretenders mm-hmm. who pretended to be boat burners mm-hmm. and they were built, they had a little dinghy on the back <laughs> of the island. Well, they didn't even right? <laughs> right? And they were like, oh, yeah, this doesn't work. What am I going to do? Right. No, you can't think that way, right? That's, that's, the, that's the big takeaway is you've got to burn the boats and you've got to go into it with a mentality with, I am going to figure this out no matter what. And that's what we've been lucky enough to do. But the other side of that is you've had losses. Absolutely. And you have to know at some point when you can't keep beating your head against the wall. Absolutely. Coming up. So, it's, so that's another and you're begging for a book. <laughs> and it's a critical <laughs> question, right? It's a critical question. And, and, it, and it, it's an exit. It's it, that dichotomy, right? That, but you know how to swim. As long is, as you, if you burn the boats, you can figure out how to swim. So. Well, what, what it is, that, that, that's a different analogy. It's yeah. not, there, I've got too many crazy analogies. Okay. But this one is a little bit different. And this one is a, a, a great friend of mine, a great investor, um, says to me, are you chopping wood in the right valley? Hmm. That's the way I think about that. 
right? We, we don't have enough sayings for this <laughs> right, one. Right? But it's true. Think about it. You're working your butt off your job like crazy. And you look around and you go, I'm in the wrong freaking valley, right? So, no, in all seriousness, it's, it's, it's about windows. I spend most of my time in the wrong valley. Right? You just don't, you don't, don't, don't realize you got to know where you are, right? So, um, I write about a lot of this stuff. I, I will say this because it's... Where? Most, where do we find it? I, I write about it. If you Google my name, Bryant, B-R-Y-A-N-T, McBride, M-C-B-R-I-D-E, and Worth, W-R-T-H, Worth Magazine. I've oh. got really great friends there, and I, I write every couple of months. I write about literally what we're talking How about. How did we not know that, Tom? About Worth Magazine. I kind of have a vague knowledge of that. Uh, I, I missed I, that one. I need you yeah. to be more active on Twitter. Yeah. I just you realized today that I wasn't following you, for I, example, I which I was embarrassed. Yeah, to, you you know what? But uh, again, I'm But I'm, I'm saying you gotta, you got to get in my feed. Oh, I will. I will follow you guys, I promise. Because that's how we get our stuff. But it's really interesting. my age. I don't tweet. I'm not on Facebook a lot. Even when you're like, if, you, if, if, if a new article drops and worth your tweeting, yes, we will put it out. We do put it out. Yes, my team is we'll slowly pushed pushed me out there to do it. Right? right, but but no. In terms of, I see entrepreneurs like they, they announced like they're going to the opening of a letter. Right? It's like, come on, cut it out, stop it. And I don't want to tell people everything right. that I'm doing. Okay. It's just I just don't. Right, so that's why I'm not tweeting about all kinds of. But stuff. But you're saving the good stuff for the long form article. I am. I am. And, 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 I, and I dive yeah. in and I do that. Yeah. But but just to Joe's point. It's about windows. It's, it's about windows, right? It's about, and I'm nuts about windows. That's really the determinant. Windows on the boat that you burned. <laughs> <laughs> no, the operating system or the. Or no, the no, 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 no. It, it's about. It's about. We saw mobile video. Right. Ten years ago, right. right? And now Facebook's like, ooh, live shows. Oh, Mark Zuckerberg two years ago. I'm going to add video into everything, right? So, so we were really early. I've been usually early on what we're doing, but that way it gives us a chance to succeed. If you're right. too late, you're really done. Right. The window will, will have closed. So as long as the window is open and there is evolution and there's cool stuff going on in that window where you can create enough value fast enough to reward your investors, that's when you know that you can get in, you can go to the island and burn those boats, but you better burn those boats before that window closes. Yeah, so, so um, one, one last question about the lessons learned. What have you learned about yourself that you didn't know before you were an entrepreneur? Oh, there's I mean, a you, you had that discipline for being an athlete and stuff like that, and, but I'm just curious because it's a different experience and you're one of the few people I know that has had a really successful transition. From corporate to entrepreneur world, I think, and made by choice. And made by choice. Right. So. I did make it by choice. Yeah, which is a great lead into the answer, right? Mm -hmm. um, you got to know your own brand of crazy. <laughs> There's another There's another one. <laughs> it's true. It's so, it's so That's true. A though, great right? way of we, saying that one I can relate to. Everyone on this planet has a certain allotment of crazy, right? And if the ideas that I come up with are, if someone doesn't say that's bonkers, crazy, you're out of your mind, then it's not a good idea. And it's funny, that's like one of my former bosses, Tom Chestnut, used to say I lived in the lunatic fringe of sports and entertainment, which is kind of like the same place. Yeah, gotta know you're crazy. Yeah. I do own the URL, know yeah. you're crazy. And K-N-O-W, right. you're crazy. Because right. I really believe it. And it's a matter of how much do you want to mm -hmm. groom and, and, and build your crazy. And, yeah. and are you really willing to follow it? Because if you're, you know, I mean, Tesla, Einstein, Ali, Gandhi, Jobs, all early crazy. We can go to the other side. It's uh, really crazy people, but we don't want to... No, but it's, that's a really interesting point because, uh, you know, very few people actually go 
all, all the way out there on the limb with their crazy. It's, it's not just chase crazy. It's yeah. know you're crazy. But, but you the craziness is also it. tied to passion. So you know, But yes. you're also crazy enough to know when something is not going to work, too. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So. All right. So before we have a couple of final questions, but i got to ask you one more from the list. If, if we Maurice, we're cool with a few more minutes. Because Brian Maurice has is not a lot of interesting things to say. <laughs> um, what, what companies that are doing kind of disruptive things out there and or executives are you most admiring these days for whatever oh, reason? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I am, um, I am, I've always been an unabashed fan of Richard Branson. Okay. He, he is just, knows his crazy, right? right? He, he really understands his crazy. And, and he knows when to cut it off. He's built so many businesses uh, started so many businesses that have not worked, and that's okay, right? Um, so he, he's way up there. And one of his protégés, and I'm, I'm really fortunate enough to know, that, and, and she's doing incredible things, is Mary Wittenberg. And she will be on our show in a few weeks. She's nice. awesome. I've, I have worked with her for now almost 20 years when she first mm -hmm. came to the New York Roadrunners. I'm still very proud to be involved, and I've been on the board for almost 20 years. And I was fortunate enough to be part of hiring her when she came into my office um, at the NHL to look mm -hmm. for a new wow. job. That's fine. Um, her own brand of crazy, by the way. Exactly Mary's right. Mary, Mary's not afraid. Nope. She's not afraid. And she's, I think, you know, this is a big statement, she is the best um, woman sports executive in the world. I really believe that. I, I think you'd find it would be hard to argue with that, I would say. I, you know, and she deserves that credit mm -hmm. um, for what she built and did at the club. And what she's about to do, the which you know, I don't even yep. know half of it, but I know it's great because yeah. <laughs> yeah. she's involved. Um, so those two, you know, jump jump off the charts at me. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't I don't love everything that's happened with Facebook, right. but major props to Zuckerberg. Yeah. I mean, like, wow. Yeah. I mean, that guy. You know, the, the, the way that they pivoted, and it wasn't just the building of Facebook. It was more about the, the it's not even a pivot, the emphasis from desktop to mobile. That transition. Wow, yes. that transition was Jobsian. That, that was fast and dramatic. dramatic. Oh, unbelievable. And seamless. And seamless. And seamless. Yeah. And the way that Jobs took the iPod to the next thing, right, right. after he right. used the iPod to save the company. Yeah. That was, you know, that, I give them huge props for that. Um, so those, you know, those are, you know, those are a few, one famous, the other, two famous, one not so famous. Yeah, no, those but, are good answers. Um, I'll just mention one more thing about Zuckerberg that always impressed me was that, he, he knew what he didn't know, and he didn't know that's the right. ad business. That's and he, right. And he hired right. this incredible executive, Cheryl oh, Sheryl Sandberg. Sandberg. What, what, um, and that's gotta, something some of these other Silicon Valleys, and there's one that starts with an S and ends with a P, that probably should be doing I right now. Because it's think. a really complicated world. It's very advertising hard. advertising market world. I just did something with so, my fingers. I'm surprised the board hasn't pushed Snap to doing something like Cheryl kind of hiring. Cheryl Sandberg has has the value that she has added to that company, yeah. and, and and you're right. You know, um, knowing what you don't know is hard. Right. And, and Mark Zuckerberg said, you know what, I need somebody who really mm -hmm. knows right. what I don't know, and she she did it. Because you've empowered and invested in entrepreneurial teams, and I'm sure mm -hmm. you're always looking for that kind Absolutely. of right chemistry, Absolutely. kind of the left right side I, of the brain. I've got one more that I'll, yeah. I'll throw out there. I'll make a prediction. Okay, um, and this is a little bit. Maybe controversial, and people are betting against him. I'm a huge believer in Tim Armstrong. That guy, man, he figures Oof, it out. Which at some point right. we will have another guest. Yes, he so, figures it out, right. and I, I would not bet against Tim Jeff Armstrong, Reese, especially with the resources they have with Verizon now. So absolutely, that's terrific. All right, a couple of final questions to wrap. Um, we could go on forever, but uh, we should move into the close. So, 
How do you, you, you got to keep, you got to keep up with everything because of all the stuff you're doing with Burst, all the investments you're making. How do you stay smart? What, what do you follow? What, uh, what, what are you looking question. at beyond um, your own articles on Worth or, you know, Joe's Twitter yeah, account? Yeah, no, I, I, I do, you know, I listen to this podcast because I do learn something every time oh, I listen to it. Absolutely. Um, it's the first one, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> We've had 70 guests. That's the first time someone said that. I make, I make my kids do, too. I make, I make them Good. listen to it. <laughs> No. Um, I'll listen to the next episode. Of absolutely. No, um, no, I, I, I try to, um, you know, I, I find I use LinkedIn more and more. Yeah. I mean, from, great from resource. A, Underrated resource. Great job with their content. Mm-hmm. From a content standpoint, I'm very impressed. And just, and Tom and I have talked about this, it is amazing how many media sources do not have a LinkedIn button I know. to share content. Yeah. Including Check. ESPN. That's a pet peeve of mine on a day-to-day basis on Twitter. Unbelievable. This big missed opportunity. Yeah. Because LinkedIn's real now, right? Yeah. I mean, you remember when we prepare for a meeting, we'd be like, okay, who do we know? Who yeah, can we call? Exactly. Now it's just at your fingertips and yeah, it's yeah. so well done. It's yeah. brilliant. Um, so I listen, listen to that a lot. Um, I do. I do. Um, I love the work that the um, the Business Insider guys are, are doing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very impressed with, with what they've done. They did a piece recently called... Um, uh, it was about how much Americans have in common, right? As opposed to um, not. It is right. amazing. Then, then uh, you know, my go-to because uh, I, I really, you know, it, it's not about politics or anything else. It's just the depth of the journalism and the and the, and the brilliance of the journalism is NPR. Mm-hmm. Um, they they did one. They did something on bots last week or two two weeks ago that is must listening for every American. The um, site and, and if they don't. If you don't have time to listen to it, go to the site Hamilton 68. Okay. Da- type Google Hamilton 68 dashboard, and it will tell you. This is I don't want to end on an ominous note, but I have to talk about this. <laughs> is it, it will tell you about the start of the information war that is ongoing in this world in the world right now. Right. It is frightening yeah. what is going on that most Americans have no idea about. It influenced an election. Right. Whether you. Again, politics right. aside, right. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount, the way that information is being used on the media landscape right now to influence decisions is so seismic and so important, and no one's talking about it, and we need to be. Yeah, well, this that's all introduces a whole other topic, which we should get into at some point, which is what responsibility does Facebook and Google have because they're purveyors. A lot. Uh, uh, a lot. I think they have a lot and, more and than they're than, than a, they're a willing lot to talk because about. Because they're also profiting. Well, absolutely, and you and you look at the wealth they've created for themselves and their shareholders, and it's stunning. Uh, and they could take a little bit of that money, and, and, and I think have figure this out. It's fi- help figure it out at least. Um, okay, and then finally, um, how about some advice for young people, or or for that matter, just general career advice, but particularly for younger people getting going in the business? Yeah, um, uh, the only advice I could offer again is know you're crazy, understand it, understand what your craziest most deeply held beliefs are and the things that you'd be afraid that you're afraid to act on um, figure out how to act on you know um, don't be afraid just don't be afraid you know I, I jumped out of the NHL job I loved the only job I ever wanted in my whole life was to work for the National Hockey League and I loved it but it, it, it came to me that um, I could do something beyond that and, and but that was going to take a real um, a real desire to and, but the way to get there, the tactical way to get there, was to not be afraid. Right. Wow. That's, that's really good. Not wow. be afraid. Um, how should everybody uh, pay attention, follow you, and burst? Um, um, probably the best way is um, we do have a um, burst. Does have a blog, and a lot of my stuff gets 
put on there. Okay. That's the place where, where we put the worth stuff that I write, um, tweets and stuff like this. Um, so that's probably the best way. So to, what's the handle? This is the Burst blog. Um, I wore Burst, the, or yeah, it's just Burst, Burst. Burst.com. B-U-R-S-T. And, um, yeah, Burst, B-U-R-S-T. We own the URL. It cost us a lot of money. <laughs> and, uh, no, there's, there's a balloon company that owned it before that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so go to Burst.com and go on the blog. You can follow us there. And, um, and uh, you know, that, that's probably the best. Do you want to mention your Twitter handle? Um, Maybe this will be an incentive to yeah, gather more I mean, I know. I, I just... I can't, you know, I'm... I'm you can just retweet me and Joe. <laughs> I don't have a lot of Twitter followers because they know that it's a desert there for me. Um, right. You know, I like to, I like the people at Twitter. They're great. Yeah. I love their tool. Right. I love Facebook. I'm not giving them any more of my data. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> or my okay. thoughts. Yeah. I, you know. We're going to go visit with Michael Moore after this is over. <laughs> right. LinkedIn, obviously on LinkedIn as well. And LinkedIn, I... I okay. Huge. Brian, thank you, thank you so much. You're very welcome. That was this was fun, guys. Thank you guys. So we much. will have a part two of this because we didn't get into some of the big issues that we had talked about uh, beforehand. Um, everybody, just to remind you, you've been listening to an interview with Bryant McBride, who's the founder and CEO of Burst, a man of incredible accomplishments in the sports business as a, an entrepreneur, as an investor, as an executive, etc. It's a great story. I think it's an inspirational story. There, there, there was a lot, I think, in this conversation that will be really interesting to all kinds of people, but particularly the people that maybe are looking to find their, their version of crazy and, and uh, their willingness to embrace it. So thank you again for joining thank us. Thank you guys so much. This was really fun. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, uh, for another great episode, Joe. That was fun. A lot of fun. really appreciate it. So we'll, uh, we'll see everybody next time on The Custom Show. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Richardson, and my co-host is Joe Favorito. And our production assistant this week is Columbia student Reese Eisenman. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple's podcast app, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other key platforms. You can also find it at blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Cusp Show. And you can get in touch with us on Twitter at CU underscore SPS underscore sports. Also, you can find out more about our program, the Columbia University Sports Management Program, by going online at sps.columbia.edu forward slash sports hyphen management. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.